everyone. Welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin, as we take on fan favorite Hannah Hunt. Um, so yeah, this song is usually at the top of list from, um, from the subreddit, from, from Vampire Weekend, Twitter, and Instagram. So um, heavy task here today, Kevin. Yeah, I, um, I, to be completely honest with you, I mean, obviously I'd heard this song before, and you know before really diving in i would just kind of thought like oh this is the somber one and i like remembered phrases like santa barbara and damn it hannah um but holy shit man i mean this is really deep excuse my french but <laughs> this is um this is something else yeah i um uh, i definitely wasn't as high on this track it was still top tier but I wasn't as high as that on this track until I really looked into it today. And there is a lot there. <laughs> Let me say. I yeah. I completely understand why people put it in their upper echelon. And um, I sent you that performance earlier today of that, that group that performed this song. It's a, a cover. Uh, we had somebody on an acoustic guitar. We had somebody on a mandolin and we had somebody on uh, a fiddle and I think it just spoke to like how raw this song can be. And it's already a very subdued production style. Um, but this is like a cowboy song almost like this is, there's yeah. some storytelling here. And that was fascinating to me about how this is, this feels like the sort of song that could be like put alongside the great American songwriters. Like I almost, mm -hmm. like, I, I could hear Levon Helm singing this. I could hear so many other, like, like I could hear Tom Petty singing something like this. Like this is incredible. I totally agreed. Yeah. So that cover that Kevin mentioned by I'm with her, um, it's a trio. They played this at live from here with Chris Tile. Um, and yeah, just absolutely incredible cover. Definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, gorgeous gorgeous mandolin solo um and then a violin solo also and then they take the chorus and put it in the minor chord which is really that was neat see. and it's funny because you can see chris tile reacting to that in the background and just like oh shoot <laughs> that's that's different um so yeah it, it is interesting because me and kevin are really big wolfpack fans also and this is the one the one loose connection I've seen between Vampire Weekend and Wolfpack so far, uh, because Chris Tile has had Wolfpack on live from here. Um, and so um, so there's some actually, overlap uh, in terms before of... Before you keep going, I'm friends. completely unfamiliar with live from here. Yeah, so uh, Chris Tile is... Um, he's this really talented um, mandolin player who... He, he has he's in a bunch of like super groups um one of them the punch brothers which is this bluegrass collective kind of uh folk more folksy um and then he's also in a group with yo-yo ma edgar meyer um and sometimes this one violinist sometimes not um and so uh, so yeah he puts out some really interesting stuff but he has this really cool show where he has a bunch of uh great kind of more jam musicians on um mm -hmm. and has some fun with it so yeah uh, i was he jams out with uh um with wolfpack for dean town at one point 
Yeah, I was familiar with his work, but I didn't know about this 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 show that he organized. It seemed really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, back to Vampire Weekend. Um, yeah, I, it is interesting because this song wasn't a hit off of that album, right? Um, was this released as, as a single? It might have been released as a single, but as far as I'm aware, it definitely wasn't a major hit from the album. Mm-hmm. Um, Diane Young was definitely a hit. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else off that album. I think Yahe. Yahe was definitely a single. Positive about that. Let me consult the good old oh, fashioned Unbelievers. Oh, you got it? Oh, Diane okay. Young was released with Step. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Step was a hit. I remember Step got a lot of airplay. Where can I get the Step Diane Young single? I would love to. That's a that is a piece of physical media I could see yeah. myself owning. That's a beautiful two songs we haven't done yet. Think about how much modern vampires we haven't even done yet. This yeah. is we've done Diane Young. No, we haven't. Are you sure about that? Diane Young is my favorite song. Yeah, you're right. We have yeah, not <laughs> we've not we've not done, we haven't done it yet. Yeah. Oh man, we're getting deep. I feel like insane. we've lost some of these songs in terms of like the pieces of paper that we draw from. So we'll have to go back and like <laughs> check our notes at some point. Nico we'll, we'll... accidentally lost the favorite, uh, the songs off his favorite album. Um, so we could do them last when we find <laughs> everything. Yeah, it was all intentional. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just think it's interesting that this song definitely like wasn't a hit, but it has such widespread acclaim within the fandom um and yeah i, I think it, it's very very um quintessential to the album i would say yeah it's it's kind of like the jungle land of the of the um vampire weekend universe like might not be everybody's favorite bruce springsteen song but i think every springsteen fan is going to recognize it like you said as a, a, a crucial part of that album but also just maybe the finest work you know mm-hmm. definitely um so yeah if we dive in um oh one thing i want to mention before we get started about the production of this song um so <laughs> an interesting side note the um rostam said in its early stages it sounded like say it right by nelly furtado which is just a <laughs> wild thing. Um, don't, I, there's a lot, it's like very drum heavy, say it right. And so I think he was saying the drums in Hannah Hunt was a lot more pronounced, maybe. Um, yeah, that's curious, all I can imagine. Like. That's mm-hmm. all I can imagine, because it's just so different, a song. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because we do have a number of other drum heavy songs on this record most notably fingerback i mean is the first one i think of mm-hmm. but you know to take a bit of a departure from that is interesting um and again just in general there are a lot of songs on this record that have a pretty strong beat and this has more of a lilt to it mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of a unique decision that they made early on yeah yeah definitely so kevin the first question we have to ask ourselves before we dive in is who is hannah hunt so Hannah Hunt is a real person, right? Yes. Very similar to um, to our friend last week, uh, uh, Jackson Crowder. Well, um, look, Jackson Crowder was slightly altered, but yeah. But Hannah Hunt's a real bona fide human being. Yeah, 
exact name. I think Hannah's pronounced differently. Maybe it's Hannah. I did see um, that. And I've actually never known anybody to go by Hannah, but that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, she is one of the lead singers in the band Dominant Legs. Um, and there's a music video for Hoop of Love on YouTube in which she's um, the one of the two people featured in it. Um, but yeah, she's in this band that's based out of San Fran. So maybe I'll run into her someday and I can meet the real Hannah Hunt. The real Hannah um, Hunt. Yeah, Hannah Hunt. Um, but yeah, so she was in um, a Buddhism class with Ezra in college. That's right. And apparently it's not really clear if they were friends, um, but it is has been stated that there was nothing romantic um, and so she's just a girl that Ezra knew and thought the name was cool, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful name, um, and it totally works. Very and if she's cool with it, what's that? Very alliterative. Oh my gosh, about about as alliterative as one could get. Some might say. Is is alliteration like everyone's favorite uh, word device? Or is I. That- just a personal unless thing. there's another word device that i'm thinking i mean onomatopoeia is pretty cool mm. um but H- hannah hannah itself is also a palindrome that's another word device for the folks out there mm, um true so, palindrome <laughs> race there. car uh, race car uh, ed is on no side i had a book in our in our grade school library there was like a like a like a cartoon book of palindromes and that was one of my favorites to check out and bring home and just flip through <laughs> and the title of the book was if i remember this correctly go hang a salami i'm a lasagna hog oh my which is something yeah that's wild <laughs> so did you see when the song was uh, originally written no i didn't so it was um before contra oh my gosh yeah. so this is like infancy of the band yeah, which is interesting. I think it was altered in that time, but it is interesting in the sense we'll, we'll get into this a little more, but a lot of people have labeled this, including Ezra to a certain extent, the sequel to Run off of Contra. Because this so is Run the, might have been like, what happened. Yeah. This. So it, it could track time-wise, but it also could just be um, they were both kind of floating in his head and they just happened to be written uh out of um, the right chronological order. Mm. And I, I hate to bring up Springsteen again, but you and I talked about uh, Bruce and the relation to Vampire Weekend off the air. Uh, the album Born to Run is about run. You know, we talked about that when we talked about that song. The album Darkness on the Edge of Town is not dissimilar to what we see on Hannah Hunt. You know, the, oh, yeah. the, the album that immediately followed uh, Born to Run, we have this, oh shoot, we left. Now what do we do kind of thing? And I think that's what's happening here. Um, and we get a little bit, it gets a little bit more flushed out and it gets a little bit more relationshipy in here. Um, but there's definitely a world in which that's the influence, you know? Um, and the songs, you're right, thematically, they do pair together really well. I think Hannah Hunt has done much better than Run is. Um, but that's a, that's, a, that's a fun thought experiment to have. Yeah, yeah. So if we dive in, the first verse a gardener told me some plants move but i could not believe it till me and hannah hunt saw crawling vines and weeping willows 
as we made our way from Providence to Phoenix. So there's a lot here. Um, mm-hmm. So the first thing um, I want to talk about is um, what that first line, a gardener told me some plants move, but I could not believe it is in reference to. And so I don't know if you stumbled upon this, but it's actually referring to a line from the 70s movie Picnic at Hanging Rock, which was this Australian film. Um, and it's like a like a mystery film. Some people disappear and it's like really unclear how they disappeared. It's not like a murder mystery. It's just like like kind of abstract, um, doesn't make sense mystery. Um, and at one point in the movie, I haven't seen it, but at one point, the gardener says, um, um, some plants move and the other guy's like, yeah, right. And then he touches the plant and the plant just moves a little. And so, yeah, that's, that's that's freaky. It's a thing within plants um, where they, they can move based on touch. Um, um, There's also um, heliotropism where plants move towards the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, there's a lot of, um, different ways for plants to move um so it's it's pretty common but yeah if you ask um a random person the odds of them knowing that plants can move is uh, i i probably would guess not crazy high i i did not know that until just now so you got me congratulations yeah. you're not a botanist no i like i when i was a kid i love growing plants like sunflowers i would plant them every year but i never got good at it so my roommate keeps a ton of plants in our apartment. Nico's seen the apartment. It's, we have a ton of plants. Um, and I, I guess I'm spoiled that I had get to enjoy all these plants. I don't have to do anything with them, but no, I'm not a botanist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, apparently Ezra was fascinated with this movie. Um, and he watched it a lot during their first, around their first album and it altered his perception of time is what he's interesting said. And so it definitely plays into some further later lines about time and and so forth yeah i think when you look at this kind of stanza from like a forty thousand foot view one look at this you could take is you have this experience where someone tells you something and you're like i can't be right and then what you realize is that oh it's true but the only way you could be taught that is through experience. And so we look at that through the lens of a relationship mm-hmm. and people talk about the relationship problems, but you don't really know what it's like until you actually get into it. And we can assume that these people, you know, as they're, as we talk about from Providence to Phoenix, that's the entire country pretty much, you know, you're invested enough to the point where now all of a sudden you're, you're going place, you're doing things together. And some of these things might not come up until you start doing things like that. Um, that's kind of what I took away from this first part of the song. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. This this whole, all of the lyrics within the song point towards views on a relationship. Um, and I think this verse speaks to um, the belief that this relationship is steady and it's not going to change. Once you're in that like initial stage, you're kind of in this disbelief that it could ever go wrong. And then, so it's like, plants can't move like relationship this relationship won't move won't change 
And then sure enough, it's proven wrong. You see those crawling vines and weeping willows. Um, and I, I don't think crawling and weeping um, that the word usage there is an accident. I, I think it's mm -hmm. intentionally very visceral and um, emotive. Um, so I, I think that plays into it. And then the last line is interesting in its own regard with the choice of locations. And of course, it's alliterative. Like we've said, the very common word uh, play that Ezra uses. But there's deeper meaning here. You said it's East Coast to West Coast. But um, these two towns have very well-known second meanings, which I don't think most towns do. Um, so providence being the hand of God, like the will of God. And so in this sense, this relationship was providence. This relationship was the will of God. It's going to succeed. It's already succeeded. Nothing can change that. And it transitions to Phoenix, to a Phoenix that rises from, that is killed and rises from the ashes, is resurrected. And so that relationship dies. And so they're at the stage of resurrection where it's unclear what that next step is. Um, it's probably broke, breaking up but, um, and moving on as your own person, but um, it's definitely a very different stage than where they started. Yeah, if this wasn't Vampire Weekend, I would say that there's no way, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to believe, right? Because... You're right. It could just be alliteration, which, you know, I mean, songwriters have used alliteration in like name places forever. Um, so it's not a stretch to say it's just, it's just that, but that's a very cool take on it. Um, I guess the one thing I would say is, do we know that those two are specifically related? I just don't feel like there's a, there's enough to say that those two items for lack of a better term that you've described feel constitutively related uh, but with that being said um you're, you're making sense you're not you're not talking out of your ass or anything here this is, this is that's interesting yeah I, I i think my main point here is that choose any other city in the east coast and there's not that secondary meaning choose any other city in the west coast and there's not that second meaning new york there's nothing there los angeles there's nothing there so it and it's not yeah, like they're from pretty... Providence. They aren't from Providence. They didn't move to Phoenix. They, uh -huh. they went from New York to LA. So like, why wouldn't they just say New York to LA? That's a, that's a fair point. Okay. And yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's pretty strong context later in the song that they, they move New York City to the greater Los Angeles area. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I guess the one the one thing that does give me pause is the next little stanza ends with Waverly and Lincoln. And unless you found some sort of second meaning there, I didn't. Um, yeah. So, um, so there's two. So, yeah, we can dive into verse two and get into this. A man of faith said, hidden eyes could see what I was thinking. I just smiled and told him that was only true of Hannah. And we glided on through Waverly and Phoenix, or Waverly and Lincoln. So yeah, we should talk about the location first because that informs us who is talking to them and what their mindset is. So where is Waverly and Lincoln? 
Waverly, I actually don't know where Waverly is. Lincoln is, um, I'm assuming we're talking about Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Yeah. So there is a suburb outside of Lincoln called Waverly. Um, oh! But it is spelled differently than the Waverly in the songbook. So there's also subway stations named Waverly and Lincoln on the Boston Metro. Oh, that's very cool. So I, I, I think they're actually in Boston at this point, still on the East Coast leaving. And it makes sense because there's still faith in that relationship. Um, the man says, um, hidden eyes could see what he was thinking. Um, and so the, the man is probably a priest or a rabbi um, saying, like, there is a higher power here um, who can see what you're thinking which is also an interesting word choice because usually when referring referring to the omnipotence of god um it's knows what you are thinking like have you see, ever seen yeah. seen what you were thinking yeah because we don't really think of you're right when you when you consider omnipotence you're not considering necessarily a particular sense yeah, and so see versus knows. Yeah, no, because you always think of a god as being all knowing. Yeah, so more I, so, more so than all seeing. Yeah, I, I think it it just goes more into the kind of emotive and feelingness of this song, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to something that is cold and knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at this point they still have faith in the relationship. He says, there could be no higher power that knows me more than Hannah knows me or sees me more than Hannah sees me. I also just think it's so interesting that we have these two kind of side characters here, the gardener and the quote unquote man of faith who almost seem to be giving some sort of warning, you know, to our narrator here. And our narrator like more or less just shakes it off. Yep. That's like, that's wild, man. I don't know what else to say. It's just like, it's, it, 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 it's like, a, it reads like a poem. It's like this, 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 this central figure here, like thinks, oh, things are so great. It's going to be okay. And then as we see here, like the song feels like it starts to pull us out of us. And then all of a sudden we have this, this break here um, coming up here in a bit. Yeah. I, I feel like, all of us have ever been in or had friends in relationships where everyone's like trying to warn them but not say something bad about them Mm -hmm. i feel like this is kind (laughs) of that happening here for um for the narrator and hannah yeah i hear you the waverly and lincoln thing being two metro stops in, in boston is fascinating yeah that totally seems like something they would do though too so it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that i like that it's also just interesting that it could apply like it sounds like it applies to nebraska especially because you're already going providence to phoenix you're like yeah you probably go through nebraska but then you look at the lyrics and you're like oh it's not that waverly it's just like lincoln is also not a large city so like waverly is probably definitely a small town yeah, I mean, maybe Vampire <laughs> Weekend are just big Scurs fans. Go Scurs, baby. They, um, yeah. I wonder how, six. let's, yeah, it's, I wonder how Ohio State's going to be rewarded for their gritty win uh, in Lincoln yesterday. Hey, but we, we don't need, we, we don't need, we, we, say, don't need to, 
We say we college need... football talk till the end, okay? I'm so... Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yikes. I can't can't help myself. Um, yeah, you want to take on the chorus here? Yeah, so we got here. Uh, our days were long, our nights no longer. Count the seconds, watching the hours. Though we live on the U.S. dollar, you and me, we got our own sense of time. So someone commented on genius an interesting thought about that first line there so when you think about someone having long days you think about oh there's some sort of strife or grief like you got a long job you got a tough relationship going on but the nights no longer line someone made the comment that this is like you know they're in a relationship obviously you have to assume they're living together and this is the moment, this is the time where you have to spend with the other person at night, right? You're, 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 you're hanging out, you're sleeping together and you're still waiting for the time to pass. And that could very easily speak to just the, the, the relationship dulling out, you know, counting the seconds, watching the hours, you know, we've all been at points in our lives where, it might not last that long, but you have, sometimes you'll have days or weeks where it's just, I'm waiting for the next thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the next thing. And maybe just, there isn't a next thing sometimes. You have to make it happen for yourself. And to have these two figures that are painted as so romantic in the first two stanzas here, all of a sudden are just waiting. That's a test for people. And like a lot of times it does happen to people that are in successful relationships and you just have to figure it out. But that's new for them. I thought that was really cool to paint it like that because it doesn't, it doesn't full out rip it out. Like it does in that next like part where in Santa Barbara, Hannah cried, but it's starting to showcase that, Oh, there's tension here. There are issues here. Yeah. There's less life here. I think that analysis is spot on. Um, I I don't really have much to add there. Um, Yeah. It's just that relationship starting to unravel the cracks are showing and eventually by the last course it's just it's over mm-hmm. breakups final um what did you make of those next two lines because I, yeah. I i didn't have much there yeah so a lot of people were saying how time is money money is time and so these two are mm-hmm. one and the same uh we live on the u.s dollar but you and me we have our own sense of time um so um I think there's something there in the sense that they're in denial um, that we, they live on a set standard of time, the U S dollar time is money, like whatever a equals B B equals a. Um, And they're in denial that, but we got our own sense of time. It's like, well, if you're already on the U S dollar, like you don't, you're, you're on that set of time. You, you um, can't live. You're live. You are living by somebody else's rules, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Capitalism, mm-hmm. baby. Capitalism, baby. Uh, Speaking of which we can get to Munger Hall in a sec, which I'm very excited. Uh, about. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, that's a really good look at it though, where it's like, yeah. Um, you think that you can go it alone. You think that with this like wonderful, perfect person, you can figure it all out. And no one is invincible against the stressors of life. Yeah. This, these two lines also contain probably the most wordplay 
um, of any Vampire Weekend lines, if this is a thing. I don't know if it's a thing. I don't know how much I subscribe to this. But someone was saying how do we live on the U.S., which is a spelling for us. So they're talking about the relationship still. Dollar. U.N. So the U.S. <laughs> and then U.N. The U.N., the United Nations. Um, I don't think those are actual That's things. like way too cringy. No, no, I don't think yeah. those are actual things. But this one I do. So um, do we live on the U.S. dollar? You and me, we got our own cents and dimes if you listen to it it's kind of hard to hear what he says so in the the lyrics it's sense of time but i think he intentionally says it to where it also could be heard as sense and dimes sense and dimes which is also a form of currency which would also so it's which just would, like denial again which would kind of have that parallel structure you know between those two lines yeah Okay, I'll have to re-listen and, and look towards that. Wow. Okay. That's cool. So Munger, Munger Hall. Munger Hall. So Nico, Charles Munger, let's talk about him. He is the uh, vice president of Berkshire Hathaway, you know, um, the company that brought you Dairy Queen and a ton of real estate property, uh, of course, owned by Warren Buffett. Uh, Charles Munger uh, has been Warren Buffett's right-hand man pretty much the entire way through. He's like in his mid nineties. Um, and Nico, what did we learn about Charles Munger last week? Uh, he's a psychopath. Yeah, he's crazy. He's a nutcase, <laughs> at least this time around. How does this relate again? Was it UC Santa Barbara? Yeah, so okay. so, so Charles Munger- <laughs> I didn't remember that. <laughs> Charles Munger has a ton of money and um, he fancies himself an amateur architect. And so what he's done, uh, he's done this at the University of Michigan. He's done this at Stanford University. Um, he has donated large sums of money to these universities to build buildings on campuses. I believe the one you said at Stanford was a, was a residence hall, right? Yeah, for the law school. Yeah. So what he does is he gives these large sums of money on the condition that he designs the building and it's does it like built to his exact specification so my understanding is the building michigan is beautiful my understanding is this law school residence at stanford is beautiful um and he did it again at ucsb uh and ucsb um is obviously in a beautiful location santa barbara california is an incredible place to live but it's very expensive and they have a housing issue for their undergrads so charles munger proposed a nine-story residence hall uh, that I believe is supposed to hold 4,500 students thereabouts. Um, and folks, you're going to have to look this up, take a look at the renderings. But the way it's designed is that every student in Munger Hall uh, has a single bedroom that adjoins kind of a common space that has like a kitchenette and a dining area that you're going to share with maybe a dozen or so other students. The way it's set up, though, is well over 90% of those single rooms are windowless. And many of those common spaces are also windowless. So you have this big cube of a building that only has, I believe, two exits, by yeah. the way. <laughs> this big cube of a building that holds 4,500 kids. Most of them do not have access to natural light. And 
Munger's defense of this is this is going to be a great way for community to foster because you're going to be like living and working in close quarters with people um, that you, you have to share this common space. And I'm all for community organizing and structuring that brings that sort of thing together. I'm a big fan of dense urban environments, uh, but I'm also a fan of having a window uh, and Charles Munger does not seem to subscribe to that philosophy. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is that the the total price tag on Munger Hall is about $1.5 billion. Charles Munger is only ponying up a measly $200 million. So the University of California at Santa Barbara is going through with these plans Despite the fact that he's only covering, he's to cover. They have to cover the vast majority of it. They haven't canceled uh, the, it yet. No. So the reason this came, it. no, that's the thing though. The reason this came to light is because uh, we learned early last week that um, one of the architects on the advisory board for UCSP, who's a well-respected private architect in the area, quit the advisory board because he realized. This is a travesty. This is like an abomination of a structure. Um, and he had realized very quickly that there's no sort of vote. There's no sort of deliberation. They pretty much decided we're going to go through with this. Um, and there was another comment in this, this article I read from the Santa Barbara newspaper from another woman who was involved who seemed very excited about the prospect and they were looking forward uh, to going full steam ahead. Um, so... The, even the, even in the designs themselves, they have fake windows. They have fake windows the, because they realize how bad it is that they don't have windows. So this is a, this is an abomination. Um, I don't. It's really funny to think about. And the day the story came out, I was enraptured all day. I could not think about anything else. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's got to be outroar. I'm curious what the students at UCSB think. Um, but if it ever gets built, I mean, we're gonna have to visit just because it's like, it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something to see, even though these kids are gonna be living in like a prison, basically. Um, anyway, that's Munger Hall. Um, you have anything to add there, Nico? No. The reason we brought that up is because our first line here is in Santa Barbara. Hannah cried, perhaps because she got placed in Munger Hall, Maybe. but you never know. Ezra is predicting the future there. <laughs> Awfully dystopian. Par for the course, though. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. In Santa Barbara, Hannah cried. I missed those freezing beaches. I walked into town to buy some kindling for the fire. Hannah tore the New York Times up into pieces. This is a phenomenal verse. I love this verse. So as someone who... Neither of us are from the Northeast, but as someone who has cold beaches, uh, what do you think of that line? Sitting on the beach when it's windy and it's like 35 is absolutely miserable. I don't think anyone desires to be out there unless you're well-dressed yeah, for it. I actually wanted to go to the, the dunes when it's like snowy because I think that'd be interesting, but like not a desirable thing to do. When you think of beach, that's not what you're thinking of. Um, I think obviously what's being talked about here is that Hannah missed their old life. Yeah, uh, I think that's very clear what we're talking about here is that she missed being back in New York where they had freezing beaches and yet that's something better um, because Santa Barbara is obviously a, a gorgeous part of the world. You get these beautiful beaches in the Pacific um, and I think it's pretty clear it's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then 
the New York Times is definitely a metaphor for their previous relationship. Being I, I completely agree. Um, what did you think about the previous line there? Walked into town to buy some kindling for the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I thought they're trying, like Ezra was, the, or the narrator was trying to imitate their previous life where they could be on the freezing beaches with a fire going um, to kind of just get some of that magic back. But I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, yeah. So I don't know why my mind first went here, but my thought is almost like maybe she's upset back at the house or whatever. He goes into town to like, I don't know, buy her some flowers or chocolates or something to like spark the relationship. Yeah. That's where my mind went. And just like this kind of some sort of last ditch attempt to, you know, like bring about something. Yeah, I I would agree. There also someone I should bring up someone mentioned a possible tie to the great Gatsby. I don't subscribe to this, Mm -hmm. but they were saying that Santa Barbara plays a role and early in the great Gatsby about, um, uh, is it Tom and um, what are their names? Tom is the dude that Gatsby's trying to cock. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Daisy. Tom and Daisy. Daisy, yeah. Yeah, so Santa Barbara is representative of when they were happy, so the exact opposite of the song. Um, and then there's a paper that came out about an affair or something, or there was an affair in Santa Barbara, and so there's a possible affair going on here. I don't subscribe to that. It um, seems a little far-fetched. Yeah. I don't think it's needed. Um, I think people use it just to explain the last change in the course. With uh, If I can't trust you, then damn it, Hannah, there's no future, there's no answer. Uh, I think if a relationship breaks down, trust breaks down normally, it's not necessarily someone cheating on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it it's just hard because if things are so good and all of a sudden they're not, um, it's a sense of disbelief oftentimes, and it's just like, what am I supposed to do now? How can I trust you? Um, and yeah, to say to kind of take that as the breaking point, and then our song ends. Really, I mean, we yeah. have that that repeated chorus where. Um, the way the the way the the vocals are produced there actually kind of reminded me of like an 808s and heartbreak like say you will kind of thing yeah um, which was very cool um and we know that Ezra's a big 808s fan um yeah it's yeah um, beautiful Ezra let's go on that last course and just kind of it's almost like a visceral yelping (laughs) if I had to describe it's like yeah no it's it's and yeah, I mean, we, you know what it's like to like be at the end of a relationship. It sucks, you know. It's like shit happens, and like you, he's just yelling out. It's 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 powerful. Yeah, it's not. It's Ezra's weird because like it's, it's it in this. he he really be do be going through it. He's, it's not he's down bad. He's down astronomically bad man, at the end of the song. Down down tremendously. <laughs> What a great track! This is a this is a phenomenal song. I don't think I have song. too much else to say. Um, you know, again, for all these like really deep songs we've had, I feel like we've had some recent songs where it's just like 
more or less face value. Like obviously some little things sprinkled in here or there that are like, like deeper and require a little bit more thought and discernment, but we more or less have a narrative here, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a great song. Um, It is interesting because I always kind of linked my mistake to it sonically and most people hate my mistake <laughs> so I, I don't know um but yeah it's definitely top tier vampire um i don't know if it's in my top five to be honest uh it's like it's right up there it's uh, in the cusp yeah yeah um yeah we'll have to do like a vampire weekend death match uh at the end and have i think from i Twitter. actually think I mentioned this on last week's show or the week before, but I think we have, we've done enough here to feel like we can actually do a legitimate ranking. Yeah. Cause it's not like there's a huge discography. You know, we could, we could feasibly rank all of the songs. What if we did a podcast where we form a March madness bracket and we just go through together and just have them compete. I think March Madness would be very cool. There's also a style of bracket I see, and I've only I've only seen this a few times before. The one time I did it was like a like a choose your favorite Pokemon thing, but it basically finds a way where it, it like pulls from a pool of all of your options. In this case, it'd be songs, and it'll just show you pairs of two, and oh, you yeah, keep picking. Yeah, yeah, so you're not necessarily eliminating like because you could have a championship caliber matchup in the first round for all you know, but you don't want to do that. Anyway, something to consider. We have options. We have options. Uh, Favorite line? Uh, I'm going to go with, I walked into town to buy some kindling for the fire. I like that line. Um, I'll go as we made our way from Providence to Phoenix. That's good. Walk there. Um, and then our hat for this week. Top fives, top fives, top fives. Top five. Uh, um, go ahead. Okay. Uh, this life, stranger, everlasting arms, flower moon, unbelievers. I'm probably forgetting something there, but that, that feels moon, good to me. Everlasting arms, spring snow, and a hunt. Or- we're feeling it okay um, look at you and then um we'll go unbearably white those are all very like sonically similar except flower moon like, it's pretty me- yeah no you, you, you are the last pretty, three at least pretty mellow three. palette there yeah so um then our hat for this week is an AM hat again because they just beat auburn and are looking pretty good on the season. If they Boys got college game day. If they had beat Mississippi State, they'd probably be in the playoff. But you know, can't let they got a past. they got a college game day coming up. They're in they Oxford do. next week. Yeah, they do against Lane Kiffin. The Lane, the Lane the train. Fighting, the fighting Kiffins. Man, uh, so the, got... I was just gonna say the fighting Kiffins is better than their actual mascot. Just to be clear, kids, a lot of stuff in the South is Confederate related. North Carolina Tar Heels, Confederacy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a Confederate thing. And a lot oh. of those state flags, I actually learned this last week, are like regiments in the Civil War. Like the North Carolina state flag was like a Confederate regiment. 
Well, you know the Ole Miss or the Mississippi State flag uh, changed this year because yes. Ole Miss and Mississippi State football teams went to the state house and talked to them about yes. changing it. Very good. Football does things. It's football it is amazing things. how powerful football is in this country, especially <laughs> in SEC country. Yeah. Um, yeah, football we love college well. football, folks. How about those runners? Keep it rolling. How about them runners, meet me, meet me, baby. Rank them, you cowards. It's anyway. actually it, it is disgusting. The college. The, I mean, we don't need to talk about the college football. Well, it's bad. It's all. It's it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so our song for next week is "Married in a Gold Rush." Nice. Yeah. So is that yeah. it for Father the Bride? Uh, it's gotta be. I think that's gotta be. I think that's it. Uh, no, there's one other song. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, we have four, five, six, seven, seven songs left after. So eight songs left, including married. No, nine songs left because we took one out. So we're going to get through new year's. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Three years running, baby. Unbelievable. <laughs> so tune in next week uh, to hear us talking about married in the gold rush. Take it easy, folks. Um.